0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
1: You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. And we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Let's get to our In the Dub segment, as always, brought to you by Dubnetwork.ca. Step today on everything happening around the world of the Western Hockey League by visiting Dubnetwork.ca. Make it a regular stop. Uh, Put it, uh, Save it to your toolbar, whatever the kids call that these days. Uh, I'm old, but my next guest is not as old as I am. Uh, Sean Mullen, a longtime veteran. Broadcaster in the CHL, you did some stuff in the OHL before you came out here, didn't
0: you? Um, sort of. I was on a color commentator, a color commentator for one Rogers telecast uh, between Owen, between uh, Barry and Ottawa. Otherwise, I did a little bit of sports stuff for the you Owen know, Sound radio station that right. included. OHL stuff, but okay. not any play-by-play right I
1: now. I seem to recall when I first actually started uh, getting to know you a little bit, we were in the same fantasy league for a while, uh, but the mm-hmm. I thought you were with the, or working around the Owen Sound Attack, or at least part of their broadcast or something.
0: No, I wasn't. I actually was uh, on television, part of the Junior B broadcasts out there and the Junior B lacrosse, but I okay. did some stuff uh, on the radio where we talked about the team, So okay. and never actually got involved in the attack broadcast. Fair then, enough. You know, I was uh, I was the voice of the pitch for about 2 weeks.
1: So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and and in I between back for and, Yeah, and in between your uh, the longtime broadcaster, of the Swift Current Broncos, and that's where you are again back in Swift Current and uh, co-hosting WHL Unfiltered, uh, which you can find at Dub Network. So, great tie-in, great segue. Uh all right, let's talk some mm-hmm. WHL and uh I for me one of the the best brightest stories uh, of this season are the Lethbridge Hurricanes and you know, I at the start of the year, I said, "Well, they're they're going to be a playoff team, but I'm not expecting much from the Hurricanes. Maybe fourth place in the Central Division." And lo and behold, right now they're statistically uh, on top of the WHL uh, in points. And when I look at this roster, it's not necessarily you know just a uh, uh, one or two guys leading the way, but uh, this is it seems to be a group effort. They might have one or two lines, uh, but it's not just the, you know the drafted guys who are uh, uh, doing all the scoring for them. What if, what's impressed you about Lethbridge? Are you at all surprised?
0: I have to say that I am, because in the preseason, I didn't expect this at all. I saw them kind of a, you know a slightly above the mix of the teams that would be battling for a playoff spot. So I'm very much impressed with what they've been able to pull off. And really, at this point, should we be surprised of the Peter Anholt and uh combination? Because mm-hmm. even in years that are supposed to be down years, They find a way to put a very exciting product on the ice. They play an up temporal game. They seem to get the most out of their offensive players. And there are guys who obviously had a lot of skill that have come to Lethbridge and been able to take that skill game to the next level. Just think of Oliver Ocular, Mm -hmm. a guy who had a good season in the Quebec League last year, but obviously an extreme talent and put in the systems that he's put in with Lethbridge, given the freedom he's been given playing with, the kind of players he's been able to play with. He's taking his game to another level and it seems like on a consistent basis, it's an organization that gets more out of guys. And that says a lot about what they've been able to accomplish. There's some good players, you know, DJ Jerome was a nice ad. It took him a while to find that kind of game, but he started to find it in Victoria. So not surprised he would continue. Alex Cotton, you know, always looks solid, but to all of a sudden be an over a point a game defenseman. That's a wow factor. I think, we all thought Logan he would be good coming out of um, his, you know, midget and bantam exploits. But he's well beyond what anyone thought he would be. Well, I would say well beyond. But compared to where he was last year, he's, he's, you know, started to be a guy who can drive the line. And it's, it's a deep team. They've got some very solid defensemen beyond Cotton and Addison offensively. Wilson and Prefontaine on the back end are hard-nosed guys who have a veteran experience and have been to some, you know, significant games. And I think the goaltending was a, a big question mark coming into the year. Yeah. And Teduchak has really answered those questions. You know, nine twenty seven save percentage, two one goals against average. He's played outstanding hockey, better than almost any statistically anyway, goaltender we've seen for the Lethbridge Hurricanes, considering the style of game they play. And um, maybe a, a majorly underrated factor in why they've had so much success.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, you look, we go back to the preseason uh, prognostications uh, by, uh, you know, the smart guy pundits like uh, you and I, and hindsight, it looks like we underrated or underestimated Lethbridge, but I don't think anybody could have predicted Oliver Ocular to have this start. And Alex Cotton coming out of virtually out of nowhere, I mean, a fifth-round pick. He was a rookie last year and, and had very little production, 11 points. Suddenly, he's got 29 in 27 games and, who knows, might be getting consideration now for the draft. I mean, he was eligible last year and, and didn't get taken. I don't think anybody expected that he would. And, uh, and yeah, the goaltending situation, terrific job by uh, Carl Tedichuk. And, and Brian Thompson's been good for them when he's been in that, too, so.
0: Yeah, what a story. You shouldn't say out of nowhere necessarily for Cotton, because when you look at his production in his last year of midget at the uh, Yale Hockey Academy Prep School, he had 54 points in 32 games. So I think maybe that was the year he made the leap. And when you look at his previous production, uh, the year before, he only had 14 points. The year before that, he had 8 points in 25 games. So the big leap offensively seems to have come uh, in that 16-year-old season for him and then... Yeah. You know, he, had, he was all right for them last year, had a good playoff, and then uh, he made a leap. But uh, the offense, when you look at that uh, midget season, is maybe not entirely surprising, but certainly not a famous player.
1: All right, well, that's fair. Uh, Sean Mullen from uh, WHL Unfiltered, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. He's our uh, in-the-dub segment uh, insider. Um, when I look at other teams in the league, and I know we spoke about uh, this not that long ago with another guest, uh, a surprise maybe in the... Uh, The Western Conference is Spokane in terms of how I think a lot of people expected, and I'm one of them. That if they got Ty Smith back, they'd be the odds-on favorite at least out of the U.S. Division. But so far, they've—I mean, they've been okay, but they haven't been overpowering. Does that surprise you?
0: I don't know. I mean, the U.S. Division every year is a dogfight, yeah, an absolute dogfight, and for whatever reason, the five very well-managed clubs is a part of it. But you're not going to run away with that division, I don't think ever. First of all, um, secondly, you know you have a new coach, uh, Manny DeRosa, who had instant success in Swift Current, but it wasn't, uh, you know, instant top of the division running away with things. Success. You have to, you know, get to know your players. They have to get to know your coach. He's making system changes that takes some time to be perfect. Uh, and I think they're getting good production. So I don't think the, the scoring depth is a, a particular problem with Spokane. Uh, I wonder, you know, uh, from a goaltending perspective, uh, the majority of their starts have been from Campbell Arnold, and his numbers are just okay. Um, Perrick, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, has been solid. But he's only played 10 games so far. So that could be part of the problem in terms of, you know, a consistent level of success. I mean, Arnold is five seven and 1", Perrick is seven two and one, so if he's able to get in the game more consistently, you know, are they in a better position in the division than they are right now?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe we'll see that. I think he, he was banged up for a while, wasn't he, on the shelf? I believe
0: so. And so, you know, that adds up pretty quick when you're only not even halfway through the season, right? We're talking at twenty three games played. So if you've only had your starter for ten of those twenty three, and you're twelve nine two and zero like Spokane is. Their, their goal differential is still a very healthy a plus 22. I'm not worried about Spokane yet. I think they're they're still going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. I think the, the one thing that I'd say is that Everett being 17-5-1 at this point of the year uh, is the big surprise of the division. And, you know, if Spokane's got a healthy number one goalie, uh, they're in that mix. But I don't think anyone expected Everett to be quite as good as they are.
1: Well, I knew that the uh, the big question was where the offense was going to come from. Uh, you know, Bryce Kindop
0: is having a terrific year,
1: so is Wyatt Wiley. Uh, but the addition of Cole Fonstadt has been fantastic, I think, for both the, the Silvertips and probably for Fonstadt as well. Because um, it seemed like in PA the last couple of years, he'd kind of gone through his his spurts of uh, production and, and struggled at times uh, on what was a pretty deep roster. I think this has been a good move for both he and for the Silvertips.
0: Um, Two years ago, Fonstad was kind of the straw that stirred the drink offensively for Prince Albert Then last year. I don't want to say he was lost in the shuffle because he still had a good year, but he was nowhere near as vital to the team's scoring attack. And that kind of continued. And I think as a player who maybe got used to having the puck on his stick a lot, it'll be a good situation to be in Everett where they rely on him to produce a little more. The other thing we're seeing, though, is Everett's becoming one of those teams or always has been. But, uh, kind of like Lethbridge, where they're making the most out of guys they have that plucking the right type of players into their system. I mean, outstanding goal setting every year, but they find a way to compete on a regular basis. It's not a, you know, roller coaster ride with those franchises right now. The Memorial Cup hosting
1: Kelowna Rockets uh, made a trade earlier this week, and, um, or maybe it was uh, on the weekend, um, but they picked up uh, Jaden Joseph. Uh, from the Moose Jaw Warriors and, uh, paid a price for it. They gave up Kobe Moore. They, those two players, both overage guys, basically the same amount of production this year. And, uh, the, uh, Rockets also included a third round pick and a couple other players, at least the rights to them. Uh, what'd you make of that trade first off? But to me, uh, and I said it to you before we started, Jaden Joseph doesn't exactly wow me as a te- uh, as a guy that puts a, a contender over the top.
0: Well, what? Joseph has been in this situation. Uh, he played some important minutes for the Lethbridge Hurricanes when they were on their run. Uh, he played some important minutes for the Vancouver Giants last year when they went on their run to the final. I think maybe one of the things that would excite Kelowna about a guy like Joseph is his experience in those big games. He wins face-offs. He's at 58.3% on the dot this year, uh, to give you an example. And that's a really key thing, especially when I kind of look at Kelowna's roster. It doesn't look like they have a ton of guys who... Uh, who do that? Uh, he wins face-offs in big moments. He can produce. He can penalty kill. Is he the typical Memorial Cup team twenty-year-old? No, because typically you have seventy, eighty-point guys if they're forwards on a Memorial Cup team. But I think he'll give you, you know, that point six, point seven points per game production, and do those key little things while providing some experience and leadership that that team doesn't have a ton of. You know, there's not a lot of guys who've been. And to the dance that are on the Colorado Rockets at the moment, so I think they probably liked that about him as well. I don't think they're done, but yeah. I certainly think he offers more uh, in that capacity than Kobe Moore would. You've been
1: uh, around the, well, obviously the Swift Current Broncos, uh, getting to the Memorial Cup, and uh, they were all in that year. Uh, you saw other teams doing it uh, that year as well, uh, trying to load up, and it uh, it paid off for Swift, not so much for the other teams, and uh, we've seen other teams in other years who have uh, loaded up. Um, there's a risk to doing it, but it's all about winning. And uh, if it takes you three or four years after winning to get back to uh, being competitive again, I guess that's the price you have to pay. But, um, you know, do you think uh, when teams look at what Swift is like right now, what Regina is like right now, do they give pause and, and uh, consider maybe not going as all in as uh, those teams did those years?
0: I think you can't help, but do that. You know, I Think of Saskatoon, first of all. Yep. They're the most long-term example of it. How long and painful that process was for the Blades to get back to only making the playoffs last season, considering how long ago they hosted the Memorial Cup. And then all that rebuilding process, and Kirby Doc makes the NHL this year. So their contending window was pretty small. Yeah. Uh, Swift current and Regina have both absolutely suffered the pain of the moves they made that Memorial Cup season. So far this year and last year, they, they were right at the bottom of the league. The amount of skill on their roster was uh, and is really limited. And the coaching staffs and the general managers for those teams are trying to dig, you know, um, whatever they can uh, out of sort of uh, – a pile of misfit toys, so to speak, right? You know, you you want to find a guy that slipped through the cracks. You want to find a player that, for whatever reason, it didn't work in a spot he was in, and he's ready to take an opportunity and and turn that into something special. But ultimately, this is a long-term process that starts with last year's draft, and they didn't even have their first-round picks. They had to get first-round picks from elsewhere. So, is it worth it? I mean, I think you look at the banner and the uh, credit union IPLEX, and a lot of fans would say they would do it all over again because of that experience and what it did for the franchise and invigorated the fan base. But you absolutely are going to suffer for a long time in the process. And as much as people want to point fingers at Dean Brockman or Dave Strouse or John Tannock or whomever else, uh, you know, Bob Woods back when he was in Saskatoon and Colin Priestner and, uh, you know, as much as you want to point fingers at them and said they didn't do the job well enough. I mean, we consistently see when teams go that all in and you don't have your own picks when you're bad, it's really tough to recoup and get better quickly. So you have to really think hard when you're in that position. How much is this worth it? Even Red Deer, you know, there's seven 14 and three this year. They haven't been a uh, really competitive team since they hosted the Memorial cup. And at the time, everyone kind of gave them credit for not going quite as over the top as other teams did But it's still been very difficult for them to get back their footing as a team that's consistently competitive. So Kelowna's got a real tough road ahead here. They're good, but they're not Memorial Cup good. And to get Memorial Cup good with what they have on that roster, they may have to do the types of things that Swift Current and Regina did. You know, Regina made it to the Memorial Cup final. Swift Current won a championship. So in the moment, those moves paid off. Um, but that's not how Bruce Hamilton has done his business over the years, and he's done his business very successfully as the uh, owner and GM in Kelowna. Is he going to go against his usual grain because he's kind of forced to? I mean, they've only got a plus-two goal differential right now. That's not a Memorial Cup team. Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to be forced to, and then the question's going to be, can Kelowna be an exception to the rule for how long it takes to recover from these situations? So far, we haven't seen many exceptions.
1: Yeah. And Kelowna won't be the only team trying to pick off the carcasses of non-playoff uh, squads. And, uh, I don't know if we, we have a, there's probably a longer list of buyers right now than there are sellers at this point. And even the selling teams, I'm not sure that they have those big dynamic players uh, on those rosters, uh, to, to make massive impacts. Do you see any, like, uh, who are two or three of the guys you think would be on the top of the list for, for teams who want to uh, try to load up this year?
0: I think what, you'll have to watch for is are there going to be teams that could be a contender, but don't feel like they're as slam dunk a contender as maybe some others and view the amount of buyers out there as an opportunity. Right. Like you the know, Brandon, we came to Brandon Kale, Kale
1: Clegg. Yeah.
0: Right. Kale Clegg and Tanner Kaspec a couple of years ago, uh, they made great hay out of that. So, you know, as we get closer and closer to January 10th, are there some teams who are kind of in the mix, but aren't quite there to the degree that uh, they hoped they would be, uh, that end up being sellers, you know. I mean, coming into the season, I, I thought, you know, Everett would be kind of in the mix, and, and one of those teams that, because they'd bought for so long, might have to be a seller, but not when you're in first place by the degree that they're in so right. far. And... I guess I don't know the answer. You know, uh, you look at a team like the Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, for example, who are in a real good position. They're 16 7, 1 and 0. They almost never sell. Uh, if you, you know, look at their actual winning percentage, they're better than any other team in the Central Division. Um, but if they kind of go 500 up to the deadline, you know, do they look at trading a guy like Kemp so that uh, Desjardins has some assets to build with uh, as he develops his own team? I don't think so. You know, it, it's tougher and tougher to find those uh, potential sellers. You know, Saskatoon, um, 13, 12, one and one on the season right now. This was supposed to be a year where they got Krebs, but not Krebs. They got Kirby Dock back, and they had a chance to really go for it. And I don't know how fans in Saskatoon would accept not being in the playoffs again. But if they look at the marketplace, and they're kind of hovering around 500. Does it make sense for them to try to sell off some of their dynamic assets? Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's tough to right now spot the obvious examples. There's some overages out there, but those overages on the non competitive teams wouldn't be enough to upgrade the really competitive teams. I think you're looking for a couple of these clubs, the Vancouver Giants. You know, they're only 12, 10, 1 and 1. They're only plus one in goal differential as an example. Um, you're looking for some of these clubs that are kind of on the bubble to pull the trigger and say, we're really not going for it this year, so let's try to feed on what could be a pretty good marketplace. You mentioned
1: Peyton Krebs there a second ago, and uh, I wonder what his, By accident. Yeah, that's <laughs> what his return uh, means to the Winnipeg Ice, who are in the thick of it in the East Division, and you get a superstar player like that back, and how long it takes him to, to round into you know Pey- Peyton Krebs' form. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. But um, getting a guy like that back, that could vault them back into maybe even contenders for their own division. And if that's the case, then possibly the the conference.
0: Yeah, I don't like Winnipeg as an actual contender as of yet. But I think they're certainly a much improved team. You know, they've got a pretty decent scoring depth in their lineup when that hasn't been the case for years for that ice franchise. And, you know, guys like Tepley and Johnson and McLennan who have been. Real nice stories for them in terms of taking their production up to another level. They're still very young. And is a young guy, but he's an exceptional talent. He's going to carry a lot of load. But I don't know if bringing him into the lineup uh, on that roster is enough to call yourself a contender. But I think it's a pretty weak East division right now. So I think there's certainly an opportunity to finish second place. Yeah. And if there's any flow to uh, the Prince Albert Raiders, and I don't suspect there'll be much flow. But... Uh, maybe you can put a little scare into them, but I don't think so. I think that's Prince Albert's division to win. Uh, but if Winnipeg could get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs in their first season in the league, when you know that franchise has been well out of the playoffs the last few years, that'll be a nice feather in their cap and a real good start, especially to a pretty young group. I think the key is not getting caught up in that and getting into uh, some of the the buying battles that are happening potentially in the Western Hockey League this year. They're still young. Their time isn't now. So uh, I don't think they should you know, make any costly moves at this point.
1: Yeah, the Winnipeg Ice need goaltending. That To me, that is their biggest flaw. And I can't—I still can't believe they didn't pick up Dylan Miskew uh, off waivers. It could have got him for nothing uh, and just had to move out a, a defenseman, probably a 20-year-old defenseman. I think uh, Miskew would have been a much more impactful player than uh, either of their two 20-year-old defensemen. But that's just my opinion. Uh, but they have given up more goals than every team in the league outside of the Red Deer Rebels uh, at this point. So, uh, unless they shore up uh, that position, I don't think they're going too
0: far. Um, the stats bear that out. You know, they have a team save percentage of 868, which is unwinnable, uh, an unwinnable number. And the fact that they're above 500, or I guess sort of right on that 500 mark um, with goaltending like that, says they played some good hockey. But, you're absolutely right. If they have any interest in, you know, making some noise in the playoffs because even if they finish second and get home ice advantage, if you get into a playoff series and you're giving up a bad goal or two every game, that's just devastating to momentum and you just can't win that way. So they would absolutely have to upgrade that position somehow. And maybe look to do it in such a way that, uh, you know, it's not just for this year. If you can get a 19-year-old or something like that that might be back next year mm-hmm. maybe that's a move that makes more sense for them
1: i'll watch for that and uh, any other moves around the league as well sean uh, we went a long time i really appreciate your time uh, and i uh, hope we can
0: uh, call you again it's always a pleasure gee thank you
1: sean mullen from whl unfiltered and a longtime broadcaster around the uh, western hockey league as well with uh, some of the Some of the big stories there and uh, performances around the Western Hockey League right now that uh, I thought were worth talking about. Eight games in the WHL tonight. Winnipeg's in Brandon. Calgary hosting Regina. The Saskatoon Blades are in uh, Southern Alberta against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Kamloops welcomes Portland to town. That should be a good game. Medicine Hat takes on Moose Jaw. Swift Current visits Prince Albert. The Vancouver Giants are in Spokane. The Victoria Royals go to Kennewick, Washington to play the Tri-City Americans. Uh, The Oil Kings are in action uh, tomorrow afternoon. It's a battle of Alberta against the Calgary Hitmen. I'll be uh, watching that game and then uh, jumping in the car, headed to Red Deer to help uh, broadcast the uh, game uh, with uh, Cam Moon. So uh, really looking forward to that. Always enjoy uh, working with Cam. One more segment to go this week on the Pipeline Show. It's going to be another 2020 draft spotlight. This time the player in question is Carter Savoy leading the entire Alberta Junior Hockey League in scoring right now. This is a, a recruit of the Denver Pioneers and uh, having a terrific season. He's got loads of skill. You can get to know him better next here on the Pipeline Show. Saretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot, scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Busch Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A-Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the grant Fuhr Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit
1: www.sprucegrovesaints.ca.